Good morning, New Hope Church family. Uh, welcome to the Thursday edition of our TNT Tuesday and Thursday devotionals. Uh, I'm really thankful to be able to be back here with y'all this morning uh, as we are making our way uh, through the book of Proverbs. Today, we will be looking at chapter 25, uh, Proverbs 25, um, as we continue on. Uh, I really love these devotionals because it is a great way for us all to connect as a church with each other uh, every week outside of our normal services. Uh, go ahead and let us know down in the comments where you are watching from. And uh, if you uh, have a need or are going through something and would like to share, um, if you are in need of prayer, um, also you can go ahead and let us know down in the, the comments so that we can all come together uh, to lift you up and encourage one another. Uh, in case you missed my introduction, the last time I was here back at the, I believe it was the beginning of December, uh, my name is Matt Osick. And I have the incredible uh, blessing of getting to serve as the high school student pastor at our Alvin campus. Uh, God is doing some really amazing things in our student ministry. And I am so excited uh, to see how he is going to continue to work in the lives of our students and continue to grow our ministry uh, alongside our church. Uh, we actually just this past Sunday uh, had an opportunity to come together for an awesome night of worship event <clears throat> um, where our students were able to um, just take some time to pause and reflect on just how amazing it is to serve our loving and holy God. Along with that, now looking into the future, uh, this coming Sunday night from 6 to 7.30, we are launching our student life groups for the spring semester at all four of our campuses. This is for students from 5th through 12th grade who have a, a desire or are looking to go deeper in the Word. Um, again, it, it, that's for 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade students. Um, student life groups are really a great opportunity uh, for these kids to grow deeper in their relationship with Christ while also getting to uh, enjoy community with other students that are also seeking to go deeper in their relationship with the Lord. Before we get going, I, I do have a couple things I want to let y'all know about. Uh, first, uh, 2021 will be our sixth year hosting the Night to Shine event. This year, we will, though, be doing things a little differently, unfortunately, because of the, the pandemic. Uh, so on Saturday, February 6th, we are going to host a drive-through event for our Night to Shine participants at the 288 campus. Uh, this is going to be our chance to celebrate our incredible guests before they attend a virtual Night to Shine uh, put on by the Tim Tebow Foundation. And, and even though it's not a normal uh, normal event like the last past five years, um, there are still some a few awesome ways uh, in which you guys can help out. Um, we are in need of volunteers to cheer on our guests and celebrate them as they drive through. Uh, if you are help, uh, interested in helping us love on our guests, go ahead and head on over to the events page on our website to sign up. The second thing is that today is Thursday. Uh, which means that weekend services start at all four of our campuses tonight at 7 p.m. And I want to invite you to join us either tonight or on Sunday morning uh, during one of our three services at all four campuses or at our 945 service online on our iCampus uh, as we continue on through our series in the book of Joshua called A Place We've Never Been Before. Okay, 
All the announcements are done. Let's go ahead and dig into the word. Now, a reminder, we are going to be in Proverbs 25 this morning, and I want you all to understand, I know you've probably heard this already, but um, much like many of the other chapters in Proverbs, chapter 25 is a mostly broken up collection of lessons and wise advice, kind of lumped together into one to three verse blocks. Um, And we could really spend all day studying each individual lesson to be learned from each verse. Um, So for that reason, I am going to just pull just a few verses out uh, of the chapter today for us to focus on. Um, So let's let's start. Let's look at the passage starting in verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. Now, this first part is going to feel a little bit different from the direction we're actually going to take as we move to other places in this chapter. I just want to give you a little heads up, but there is um, some setup that we're doing here um, that is going to lead us to where we're going. But I really wanted to take just a minute to break down um, these two verses uh, to see what, what we can draw from them. So, we see in verse 2 here that Solomon is pointing out something really interesting that we often don't think about. That God's glory is shown just as much in what he conceals from us as it is in what he reveals to us. Now, to, to simplify that maybe just a little bit, it's that God is glorified. His glory is revealed just as much in what, just as much, sorry, in what he doesn't tell us and what he hides uh, from us. In fact, maybe even more so in what he conceals and hides from us as he, as he is glorified in what he does reveal for us. And that's a weird thing for me to try to comprehend, but at the same time, it's really kind of cool. And I don't know how y'all, what, what y'all think about it, but I, I just find that kind of, kind of just shocking that God would be glorified more in what he isn't telling us. And the fact that there is so much that we don't know as he, as he is in what he does allow us to know. And God created us with intelligence and a desire to constantly seek knowledge and understanding of him and the universe that he created. And yet it is clear that we are not going to know everything, no matter how much we may search. Everything that we find, the more that we search, both in the material and um, spiritual, points directly to the incredible God that we serve. The more that we use science to study creation, the more that we are blown away by God's ability to create it. From the massive and practically unfathomable expanse that is the universe at large, to the finely tuned complexity of cellular biology and DNA, the hand of the divine artist is glaringly obvious, and it is glorious, y'all. Beyond that, God also gives us his word so that we can seek to live honorable and upstanding lives through the pursuit of deeper knowledge of him. And yet we will never completely know or understand in this life uh, exactly who God is and his character outside of what he wants us to know. And we really won't understand his reasoning for doing all that he does. And the reality is that that's 
intentional. We are not meant to know every detail of existence and all that there is because the only person that could really comprehend or has the capacity to comprehend and process all of that, all that there is, is God himself. And for that reason, he also is not required to reveal things to us. But what he does reveal is what he needs us to understand, what we need to understand. An even crazier aspect of this is uh, what, I'm sorry, an even crazier aspect of what this verse can tell us uh, is what, as well is when we search the high heavens and, and the deep earth, as it says in verse 3, uh, we are made even more aware of just how infinite, or I'm sorry, not infinite, how finite, how limited, how infinitesimally small our understanding of everything is, especially in light of how God can understand all of it and knows all of it. I don't know about y'all, but I find that just so mind-blowing and humbling that it really brings things into perspective for me of how where I stand in regards to how great and how um, just unfathomable God is. And though that can almost feel like a negative, what it really is is it's a, it's a good humility. Because what that humility does is it allows me to have a healthy one, a healthy fear of who God is and in my relationship to him and allows me to approach him humbly because I understand that he is greater than I, right? But there's also something else cool that comes from an approach to, to, to God with humility. It also helps us to approach life with humility. This idea of humility is actually something now that we're going to spend some time looking at uh, as we are going further into the wisdom of what Solomon has written down in the rest of this chapter. Let's, let's jump ahead a, a few verses to verses 6 and 7. Do not put yourself forward or do not exalt yourself in the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. For it is better to be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. If I were to paraphrase this verse, the best way uh, I think I could put it would be, don't, don't toot your own horn because it's going to make you look like a clown. So when we're talking about humility, we need to be careful about how highly we start to think about ourselves, how much we exalt ourselves uh, in order to look better in front of other people. Um, because if Scripture tells us anything about humility and pride, it's that the proud will be humbled. We are assured of this. The proud will be humbled. And this is not the like healthy, good kind of humility we're talking about. We're talking about like your legs are getting swept out from underneath you and you're getting put down on your face, like not good stuff, but it's all intentional. And the, the way these two verses are focused around being in a king's presence now uh, may seem a bit odd to be talking about um, personal humility and, and pride, but we see that Jesus even drew from this proverb as he was uh, talking about his parable of the wedding feast in Luke chapter 14, uh, in order to convey this same idea that we shouldn't lift ourselves up because doing so will make us look foolish. 
Now, when I say don't lift yourself up, I'm not saying have a negative view of yourself or to think badly about yourself. But what I am talking about here is kind of overinflating who we are, thinking too highly of ourselves and letting us be the kind of driving factor behind that, putting ourselves on a pedestal that's not deserved or earned. And how often do we see um, this truth lived out in society that when we do that, when we see other people do that, that they are very often cut back down to size, uh, whether um, by their own destruction or by someone else kind of bringing them, bringing them in that and showing them really not how great maybe they are, uh, or at least not how much they're saying they are. And I'm reminded uh, of a time when I'm watching, I was watching ESPN on TV and they had this interview uh, with this young NFL quarterback and he's fresh out of college, just got paid millions of dollars. He's like 22, has no idea what to do with it. And I know I'm speaking very like dismissively of this. I'm 26. I'm not that much older than him, but Y'all, y'all get where I'm going with this. So <laughs> he, he's new in the league, and, man, he is real high on himself. He's real um, excited to be there, and he's talking a big game. He, he is on a team that really has not performed super well, but he is, he is convinced, and he is letting everyone know that he is about to lead this team to his, its uh, Super Bowl in his first year there, to the championship, and, and that they're going to win, and it's all going to be because of just how good he is at football. Well, the very next team that he happened to go up against was the New England, the, the defending champion, New England Patriots, and Tom Brady. Now, uh, if you know anything about the NFL, this is the equivalent of a David and Goliath uh, situation. And this kid is not Goliath. <laughs> uh, needless to say, this young kid gets absolutely annihilated in this game. I mean, cut down to size in every way possible. He doesn't score a single point. He gets intercepted twice, fumbles fumbles the ball once. I'm pretty sure at least two of those were run back for scores. And I think the final score was something like 56 to 3 or something like that. And now that guy doesn't even play in the NFL anymore. Uh, In fact, he was benched pretty quickly into that season, and I don't think he ever made it back onto the field. And this is a guy who was just talking about how he was about to go and win a Super Bowl in his first year in the NFL. And and not that me knowing who he is really describes that, but I can't even remember what this guy's name is. That's how quickly he left the scene. Now, moving on from football, because I know not everyone here really cares that much about it, but the moral of the story that I I want us to understand this morning is that if you have to tell people how big of a deal you are, the chances are you're really not that big of a deal. And you're probably about to get a big slice of humble pie coming your way. The issue of needing to make sure that we don't exalt ourselves is not just found among professional athletes, though you see it prominently among them because they're very much in the public eye, but you you know also see it as well in celebrities and even some politicians. Uh, But it's not just, this is not just for them. This is not just for them because they're big in the public eye and are talented and things like that, that they should be careful about humbling themselves. This warning is also for you and I as well. We see throughout scripture that a life lived humbly is one that fights the urge to make ourselves look so great and inflated because we are assured that we will be humbled in the face of our pride. 
Uh, Matthew 23, 12 says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Let's, let's look how humility, taking a different turn, uh, comes into play later in the chapter in verse 21. So jumping over to verse 21, let's read. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Now, these verses should sound somewhat familiar as this idea of how to love our enemies uh, is seen throughout Scripture. Uh, Jesus, in the New Testament, in, in the Gospel, commands us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. Uh, Paul even directly quotes this proverb uh, in Romans 12 when he is discussing love. So why then would God want us to show kind and loving treatment to people who we would call enemies? And I'm not just talking about people that we're just not sure about. I mean someone that there is a brokenness in your relationship with them. How are we supposed to show them kindness and love when they are not showing it in return? And better yet, where are we even supposed to start to do that? The answer is found in the big idea of what we've been talking about today. It starts with humility, and that that should be encouraging, that there is a place to build from, and that, that foundation is humility. If we are commanded to love our enemies, to feed them and quench their thirst, then we first have to humble ourselves before them and understand that God loves them the same as he loves you and I. And because of that, I am called to love them the same way. Beyond that, humbling ourselves to the point of being able to love an enemy opens the door for restoration. If I consider someone to be my enemy, that means that somewhere along the road in our relationship, brokenness has occurred and it hasn't been repaired. And beyond that, to act out of love and humility is also not a natural response to someone who is against you. In fact, it is the exact opposite of what that person probably expects you to do. And this is where what we read in verse 22 comes in about the burning coals. Understand that, and I encourage you this morning, you don't need to view the burning coals as us punishing them. We're not punishing our enemies by showing them kindness. But what is happening is just like a burning coal, our kindness, our love, our humility before them brings about the burning conviction in their heart that there is something broken between you and that person. And if you are able to humble yourself before them with sincerity, <clears throat> then the only person at fault at this point is the one who insists on continuing to maintain the conflict. Now, I understand that doing this is showing humility, especially to someone that is literally someone you would call your enemy, is, is not easy, and doing it sincerely is even harder. But our conviction should be, and honestly, our example is, and I can encourage you that we have an example, but when we look for an example of this, we should look no further than Jesus himself. Jesus died for us 
because there was conflict between us and God because of our sin. And so he came down to serve us, to feed us with the bread of life, quench our thirst with living water, and to give the most perfect and complete example of love and humility by taking the punishment for our sin on the cross. A.W. Tozer puts it this way. If a man had, or if man had his way, the plan of redemption would be an endless and bloody conflict. In reality, salvation was bought not by Jesus's fist, but by his nail-pierced hands. Not by muscle, but by love. Not by vengeance, but by forgiveness. Not by force, but by sacrifice. Jesus Christ, our Lord, surrendered in order that he might win. He, listen to this again. This is what, what Tozer says. He says that Jesus Christ, our Lord, surrendered in order that he could win. He destroyed his enemies by dying for them and conquered death by allowing death to conquer him. Y'all, listen to this. That is humility. That is humility and love lived out selflessly before us. Jesus literally destroyed his enemies by dying for them. Not just so that they would be punished or anything like that, but so that they didn't have to be his enemies any longer. We were his enemies because of our sin. So he did exactly what needed to be done. He humbled himself. God humbled himself to make it so that we no longer had to be his enemies. I'm so thankful for that. I hope you know that. You hope you know that truth, that God loved you enough to humble himself so that we no longer had to be his enemies. And just like in this conflict, when we show kindness and it, it makes it to where the only thing that can happen is resolution, restoration, the only thing that can happen from us because of what Jesus did is restoration at that point. And, and the only thing keeping us from restoration at that point is us. So for us as believers now to apply, it's how we, how we live out that, uh, the reflection of that example is to follow after Christ by heaping coals on the heads of our enemies by loving them so passionately and serving them so humbly that there is literally no other choice but to restore the brokenness between us. My challenge for you today is that you would remember your calling to humility. God wants you to live humbly before him, remembering our place before his glory. And then in turn, that can lead us to a, a place where we can be better equipped to live humbly before others. Because humility is the path to love. Let's pray together. God, you are glorious, Lord. Thank you for humbling us, Lord, before you so that we could know how to serve and reflect your love for the world correctly. God, I pray that we would be reminded of the need for humility as we move forward in our lives uh, from, from this place today, Lord, 
and that the the restoration that needs to happen um, in our relationships, in our world, in our country, it has to start from a place of humility, Father. God, I pray for um, our church, that we would continue to serve humbly. I pray for our government, that they would continue to um, heal and rebuild as we come into a new uh, a new a new leadership, Lord, and that everyone would come into it with a spirit of humility, God, that you would convict them for a need of hum- for humility. God, thank you for um, our frontline workers as they continue to protect and serve people uh, in the face of putting themselves in danger uh, as we still are in the middle of this pandemic, Lord. I pray for wisdom for those who lead us. I pray that you continue to bless our church and that we would serve faithfully after you in all that we do. God, we love you and we trust you. And I pray, amen. Hey, thank you all so much for being with, choosing to be with us this morning. I hope that you will join us for one of our weekend services, whether it be tonight um, or Sunday morning at one of our campus or, at our I, or on our iCampus. Uh, it has been an incredible blessing to be, have been able to be with y'all again this morning. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. I love you all. We'll see you next time.